It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning I feel like it should be a day of celebration for everyone in Memphis. People should be getting the day off from work. No school today. The Grizzlies win. The Grizzlies win. Last night taking care of the Utah Jazz. We will talk about that on the program today, along with everything else that's happening in the world of sports as we welcome you into Sports 56 Mornings on this final day of November, the Thursday, November 30th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues. Go check them out at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is also brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Currently 40 degrees, partly cloudy skies, and it'll be cloudy throughout the day today. We are looking at showers about a 40% this afternoon, 40% chance. And then tonight, it increases to about 90%. In fact, rainfall could be around a half an inch, looking at a low tonight of 48, and that rain will continue into Friday with uh, showers at about 60%, but a high of 67 for your Friday, the high today at 59 degrees. Coming up on the program today, as I mentioned, we'll be talking Grizzlies and NBA as the Grizz get off to Schneid. College basketball, plenty of huge games last night. We're getting closer to Memphis Ole Miss Saturday in Oxford. We got plenty of college football news as well. The all AAC teams were announced. We got some portal news. We have some coaching news to get into. NFL, the new week kicks off with a game tonight featuring Eli's Cowboys. We got that to dive into on the program. Brad Logan will join us at 825 to talk Ole Miss and Memphis. Also, where he expects the Ole Miss Rebels to land as far as a bowl game. More than likely the Citrus, but we'll get his thoughts on that. And then from 9 to 10, our program becomes the AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour. We will be joined by Harold Grader. We'll see if Harold knows anything more than what we all know right now, which is still nothing yet confirmed on the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. But we'll find out, of course, on Sunday, Selection Sunday. We'll have our final pick six of the year. So a chance for you to go up against one of us for Central Barbecue, but your last chance this year. And then at 925, former Memphis Tiger, Virginia Tech head coach Justin Fuente will join us on the program today. So another huge show lined up for you. You can hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines by calling in or texting in at 901-360-8255. You can also drop us a line on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or on the website at sportsmemphis.com. That's your lineup for today. How are you? Uh, I would define myself as uh, splendid. You should be. The city should be celebrating today. Zach... You were there. You fired up. Yeah. It was a quick night, man. Wasn't it quick? Okay. I was there for the first half, and I left because, you know, obviously I got to get home, prepare for the show, get some sleep. You know, I can't look this beautiful without sleep. I thought, wow, I'm out of here early. Yeah. 
Like I had to, like like I had to check the time like at the end of the game because typically like I leave the arena like around ten. Right. And when I look at the time, it was like it was still nine thirty. I was like, I was like, what just happened? And that's with the lights going out. How long was that delay? I was driving home when I heard Hasseltine talk about the lights being out. Yeah, that was like uh like ten minutes, five to ten minutes. Did they not pay their bill? I, I hope so. That was weird, man. It was just, I yeah. hope so. All of a sudden, to see the lights just gone, I was like, "Whoa, hey, what?" The, it's or the the basketball gods like, "Hey, if you guys are winning a game, we're gonna shut the lights out on you." Then, dang it, exactly. He's like, you're shooting too well right now. Like, you need to shut. We yeah. turn the lights. They, off. they shot the lights out. I mean, literally, it was uh, it was a good all around game. Look. I wasn't the only one who predicted a win. You just it had to happen sooner than later, right? It had to happen. Come on. Utah had beaten them twice, but Lori Market and not in the lineup was huge. They ended up having Clarkson and they ended up having Olenek, and they were both questionable, but other than having Market and out of the lineup, it was the Utah Jazz that had beaten the Grizzlies twice. But there were a lot of differences in this one. And by the way, first home win of the season for the Grizzlies, who now improved to 4-13. and 13. But Taylor Jenkins made a lineup change. He put David Roddy in the starting lineup, and he put Derrick Rose in the starting lineup. He took out Gilliard, who did not play, and he used Santi coming off the bench. And it worked. David Roddy played one of his best games as a Grizz. He ended up with 19 points. He was hitting three or threes early, went five of nine from the field from three, seven of 11 from the field overall. He had six rebounds. He had a really strong game. And then there's Derrick Rose, who played nearly 27 minutes, hit seven of 11 his shots from the field, did go for three from three, but seven of 11, got to the hole, at times looked like vintage Derrick Rose, had four rebounds. He added nine assists for 14 points. So when you got Roddy and Rose combining for 33, and then you get solid games from Bain, I'll talk about his numbers in a second, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who was tremendous on the defensive end, plus you get contributions from a couple of the bench guys, Santi Aldama and Zaire Williams. Usually good things will happen, even though this roster remains depleted. They're playing a team that wasn't that good. So as long as you had that support coming off the bench and you had the starters produce, Eli, the equation, you add it all up, normally would be a dub, and last night they got it. Yeah, I'd, it, it just looked... Um, they looked different last night. They looked like there was more energy. Um, there's no doubt there was a, a more of an effort to attack the paint, and they end up with a season high in points in the paint. Um, it just... There kind of was more of a a pep in their step, I guess. It, I don't know if it was the Marcus, Marcus Smart? Smart, you know, thing yeah. that 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 did this. If it what it was, maybe it was the fact that they didn't, you know, give up, dig themselves an early hole and kind of zap the energy out of the place. I don't know, but you just it felt like there was way more energy. Looked like they were having fun. Looked like things were, um, you know, it just it just looked different and. Um, whatever that is, they need to bottle that up and continue to go with that because um, it's uh, it, it certainly looked a lot better and it was a lot more fun for everybody to uh, to watch that game last night. I saw that too. I saw it too. And I wouldn't downplay what Marcus Smart did and the fact that Derrick Rose had also 
been vocal, especially about the way they play defense. Here he is inserted into the starting lineup. And you got Derrick Rose, who's not a spring chicken anymore, basketball years, playing as hard as he did. It's contagious. So, yes, I saw that too with this team. You also had a team that rebounded the basketball. They have struggled rebounding the basketball. They out-rebounded Utah 51-39. to Again, without having Lori Markinen in there, that's a big void for Utah. But the Grizzlies took advantage of it. From a three-point standpoint, they hung in there with Utah. Utah was 16-39. of They still shot the rock incredibly well. 41%. Memphis continues to struggle giving up three-pointers. But they went 13 of 39 themselves, 33%. Percentage obviously lower and three less, but it wasn't like they gave up 17 threes and had five of their own. Like I said, Roddy in the lineup, he was really good. Derrick Rose was a plus 20 in that game. That was the best of any player that played in that game. And it was nice to see Zaire Williams, who I'm still not sold on, but he went six of eight from the field, three of three from three, 15 points, added eight rebounds. And how about Vince Williams? He only scored three points. He only took three shots, hit a three. He had eight rebounds. Taylor Jenkins only played nine guys. And getting back to the big two, because right now, obviously, there's not a big three, Des Bain, 17 points, but nine assists. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., in 34 minutes and 40 seconds, went for 20 points, Six rebounds and six blocked shots. No, he was uh, he was he was the block panther last night. There's no doubt. The the one series they had what was it, the third quarter where he got a block and then I think it was Biombo got a block and then the ball got loose and the Jazz got it again. They thought they had a layup. Jaron came from behind and blocked that one as well. Um, you know, I love the fact that Jaron took. 19 shots only three of them were threes um he was aggressive in attacking the basket you know when they don't when walker kessler's not in the game they don't really have anybody to protect the rim so right right you should be attacking the rim against that team uh the, the grizzlies did that overall jaron did that um you know and yes you know him and bismarck combining for nine blocks between them um, they protected the, the paint. They did what they were supposed to do. So, um, yeah, it was it. Um, I'm glad the streamers still work. I don't know if they had to like clean that out, like at some point during the season, like to, you know, just to do a test run to make sure and get the old ones out. Don't want to get the jammed up. But yeah, it was all, it's all, it was, a, it was good to see all of the, all of the, the good, the good vibes returning to FedEx Forum. I'm sure a little dust came down with the streamers, maybe a little asbestos, but uh, yeah, it was nice to see the dub and, I'm looking at these rebounds. I mentioned they out-rebounded Utah 51-39. But nine players playing in this game for the Grizzlies. Roddy, six rebounds. Jackson, six rebounds. Biombo, six rebounds. Bain, seven rebounds. Rose, four rebounds. Off the bench, eight rebounds for Zaire. Eight rebounds for Vince Williams. Four rebounds for Santi. And a couple of rebounds for Jalen Noel. They all were crashing the boards. So... I don't think it was a coincidence. There was desperation. They've look, they know they're losing games. They know they were winless at home. Marcus Smart's speech, Derek Rose, what he had to say, the comments made by Anthony Edwards, I think fired up the fan base that was there. It wasn't a packed house, but they were loud. 
They really got into it, especially when the Grizzlies showed life early. Now, real early in the game, they fell behind. I'm like, oh, come on now. Come on. And then they came back and then and then took the lead, took command, and never looked back. Uh, they outscored the Jazz 36-17 to in the second quarter. But, again, for what it's worth, missing the players that they are missing, there's still talent on this team. And as I've said, as long as Jackson and Bain play really good games, that's not enough. You need a starter or two that's in the lineup, and the lineup changes seemingly every game, and then some bench support to win. And that's what they got last night. Yeah, albeit against a Utah team that's now 6-12, and I understand. But they needed that win. Well, there had to be, I, I would hope, a, a little sense of... Um, urgency? Sense of urgency, but a sense of embarrassment that you lost. <laughs> like that you let, this is Jazz team had one road win on the year. It's on your floor. You can't right. let them come in and get a second. Right. Like you couldn't. This team racked up 70 points in the first half of both games you played against them. Like There needed to be like, listen, like come on. And then, with, then when they're without Lori Marketing who has absolutely killed you in those games, like, you should be like, okay, let's, let's, come on, let's, I don't care who we're missing, like, this is the Utah Jazz, <laughs> let's go out there and actually represent ourselves with a little bit of pride and, and get a win against them on our home floor. Exactly. So don't go 0-2 against this team on our home floor to, to start the year, and you know, I, I don't, I think there was a lot of things, but, but it was just good to see that energy level, like, there was, there, there's no doubt, that looked different than what most of the games this year have looked like. Yeah. Just from an energy level, an effort level, offense, defense, just the, the way they played, there was a noticeable difference between that game and most of the games this season. Yeah, and like you said, can you can you bottle this thing up? Here's the here's the deal though. Even playing with that energy and even getting the production from the players that don't always produce, like a Zaire Williams who really produced, like a David Roddy who really produced, doesn't mean they're going to Dallas Friday and winning or Phoenix on Saturday and winning. But it gives them an opportunity. It gives them a chance, even without Ja and the rest of the walking wounded. It gives them a chance if they play like this. Now, we already know that they've added Detroit next Wednesday in Detroit. Minnesota a week from tomorrow at home. Houston, they got two more against them coming up in this stretch. I'm talking about the stretch before Ja returns. Houston's still winless on the road. Even though they have been one of the surprise stories in the NBA and have already beaten the Grizzlies once, they are 0-8 away from home. Now, the Grizzlies were winless at home until last night. But it gives you a fighting chance. They're going to win in Detroit, I think. Detroit lost again last night. They've lost... 15 straight games. 15 straight. They're not very good. They're 2-16. and 16. I think they're going to at least split with, with Houston. And again, I'm not going much out on a limb here, just like my prediction to win last night. But again, it's a Grizzlies team that's beat up and decimated by injuries. If they can win, find a way to win two more. I, I know it's hard. That's 4-4 four and four in the final eight games without Jaw. Then they go 7-18. and 18. It's not good, but it gives them at least a fighting chance. Four wins and 21 losses will be extremely tough. 3-22 and 22 was even worse, but they got the win last night. But they're winning against Detroit. I think they're going to split against Houston. Can they find a way to get two more? Like I said a moment ago, 
if they go into Dallas Friday and into Phoenix on Saturday with this effort and that type of production, it doesn't guarantee a win, but it gives them a fighting chance. No, I mean, obviously Dallas has played fantastic. Um, one of the top teams in the West. Certainly Phoenix, we shall see who plays and who doesn't play. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a coin toss with them game to game of who, who plays. They took a, a loss last night um, to Toronto. Um, so, but certainly if, if they've got their guys or at least most of their guys, that's going to be a very difficult one as well. But, um, yeah, the, the Houston game at home, you're going to have to win. Like there, there are certain games like last night, again, like that, you you can't go 0 and 3 against the jazz. Like you just couldn't have the season series against the jazz be 0 and 3 and lose twice on your home floor to a, to a team that hasn't beaten anybody else on the road, like Houston. You just got to win the game at home. Like you can't, because who knows? You'll you'll. There's a good chance you might lose the game at their place because they're really good at home or have been really good at home. So you don't want to go oh and you know drop the first three against Houston either. Like these are teams you can't be just like losing every time you play them. Absolutely. Whether you have, whatever roster you throw on the floor, you can't be losing every time you play these teams. You mentioned the Suns losing last night to the Raptors on the road. Suns. <clears throat> Excuse me. Suns are now eleven and seven. I, I I was surprised to see their record is that good. They have not had the big three together. What one time? I think they played one together. Yeah, Booker, Beal, and Durant. Durant returned last night from injury. He's been playing more than the other two. Obviously, Beal's been out pretty much the whole season, and Booker's missed a bunch of time. So you got them on Saturday. On Friday, Dallas. Dallas has played well, but who knows. Kyrie going to be taking a day off? Is Doncic going to be taking a day off? Last night, as I mentioned, the Pistons lose again. The final score, Lakers 133, Pistons 107. So the Lakers, after getting beat by, what was it, 44 by Philadelphia? Uh, yes, I believe it was 44. They bounced back. 446, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And they bounce back and win by 26. Some nail biters when the Lakers play, winning at Detroit. I don't get it. I, I don't get the whole thing with Detroit. I mean, it seems like they have enough talent to be able to win some games, but two and sixteen. I know Bogdanovich is hurt, but you have Jaden Ivey wasn't even starting. I, I don't know what's going on with with the Pistons, uh, but they were a loser last night. Uh, also in the NBA last night, Pelicans get a win over the Sixers, one twenty four to one fourteen. Jokic returns triple double for Nikola, one thirty four one twenty four over the Rockets and the Clippers. Get a nice win at the Kings, 131 to 117. So we talked a little bit yesterday towards the end of the show about the Josh Giddy situation and how it's a completely different scenario than what it was with uh, Franco, with the Major League Baseball and the way they handled that situation. Yesterday, the news came down from, forget what county it was in California, was it? where they are doing the investigation. But TMZ, they're everywhere, they reported that the parents of the girl who supposedly had the sexual encounter with Josh Gideon is underage, refuse to cooperate with authorities. I'm a little puzzled here. Okay, if that girl is underage... I mean, I don't know what kind of parents they are. I don't know who they are. I mean, maybe they think, hey, he, she bagged a, a, 
an NBA player. She bagged a guy with a lot of money. I, I don't know what the situation is, but if she is underage and the parents aren't cooperating, I don't, I don't even get it. Like, what, what kind of, what kind of life um, are you presenting for your underage child here? I don't know all the details. Nobody knows all the details, but I'm really surprised that. According to TMZ, they're refusing to cooperate. Now, I don't know if they're going to be forced to cooperate. I don't know how that all works with, with law enforcement when it comes to something like that. But that's the situation with Giddy. In the meantime, he'll continue to play. Yeah, and the NBA is doing their own investigation here. Um, it's, it's Again, it's a, it's a weird situation just by the fact that they're just... Again, it, it, to see the Wander Franco situation be complete opposite of this, two different leagues doing things completely differently in a very similar situation um, is, is just a little weird. And um, for him and for Oklahoma City just to continue to basically say it's a personal matter and we're, we're kind of out of this thing is, is just, it's a little bit strange. Yeah, the police, uh, I was mentioning uh, where they are in Newport Beach, California. So that's where it's at. I guess that's where she's from. Maybe that's where the alleged incident all took place or the encounter, uh, Newport Beach, California. All right, we need to take a timeout. We'll come back. We will open up the Sports 56 listener lines to you. We'll get into the college basketball night from last night. And, boy, it was a doozy. How about that ACC-SEC challenge ending in a 7-7 tie? We will discuss that. we got plenty of college football news to get into, including coaching news and portal news. We'll talk some NFL as well. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I got a little change in my pocket going jingle, Plenty of good action in college basketball last night. The ACC-SEC Challenge continued. And what a win for Arkansas at Bud Walton Arena. Before a record 20,344, they knocked off Duke 80-75, to which, of course, is good in turn for Memphis since Memphis beat Arkansas. It was the 100th win at Arkansas for Coach Eric Musselman. Chandler Lawson, the former Tiger, chipped in, was really good defensively, eight rebounds, six blocks, and they hold off the Dukies again. 20,344 at Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, it was uh it was rocking. That place looked nuts, man. It was uh it looked fun. That was that was the old days of Nolan Richardson. I mean, it was just absolutely bonkers in that place. And you know, they do it without Tremont Mark, um, their leading scorer as well. So huge win for them, huge win for Eric Musselman. Um 
Trayvon Brazil was a great. Khalif Battle off the bench was fantastic for them. And uh, yeah, nice, nice, really nice win. And certainly a good win for, for the Tigers. Uh, helps them, helps that resume as Arkansas. Um, you want Arkansas to pick up as many wins as you can. They should pick up a lot of wins as the year goes along. That win should end up being a quad one win at the end of the year. But um, this one certainly goes a long way towards helping that. You mentioned Nolan. Was Nolan there or was it just a video message? Uh, I don't know. I did not see him. I was flipping back and forth at the Grizzlies game, so I don't know. I did not see whether he was there or not. Yeah, I was at the Grizzlies game, but I remember um, last night, I think it was on like, ESPN. Heck, it took forever for them to get that game on because the damn, the North Carolina Tennessee game, I think it took three hours to play that game. Like It, it wouldn't end. Like <laughs> It was just like over. I'm like, come on, quit fouling. At some point, let's just get this game over with. Like it, The... Duke Arkansas came. I don't. I can't remember how much time was left in the first half when they finally. Now they had started on ESPN News or whatever. What it finally came on ESPN. Like it was like forty minutes late getting that game on. Wow, it's the opposite of what we talked about with the Grizzlies game being quick last night. But yeah, I saw. I guess it was on Sports Center and saw. Somebody says no one was there. He was there. Okay, and that's great to, for him. You know, to still have that connection. I know there were some rocky years after um, he was let go, but. Nolan Richardson is a um, beloved figure. Let's just put it that way in Fayetteville. And uh, last night, as you said, that place was rocking. So Arkansas gets a win. And as you mentioned, Tennessee and North Carolina. Tennessee put up, what was it, 60, 61 in the first half? No, I'm sorry, North, North Carolina? Carolina? North Carolina put up At 61. Tennessee. And I wonder what that crowd was. I don't know what that announced attendance was, but I guarantee you that place was, was packed as well. They get... That wasn't at Tennessee. That was at North Carolina. Oh, it was in Chapel Hill. Yes, okay, yes. okay. I didn't know that. I didn't I didn't get a chance to see that. But uh it was uh number 17 North Carolina knocking off number 10 Tennessee 192 in a high-scoring affair. As you mentioned, that game seemed to go forever. Dalton Connect who is tremendous at 37 and 6. And then again, I didn't see this. I just read that he went out with uh after rolling his ankle. Did he ever get back into the game? Do you uh, no? Did they ever talk about the status? Do they know? Well, I don't know. I mean, there was only like two minutes left in the okay, game. Okay, so was, it was very it was, late in the game. Pretty. He stepped on a foot of a defender, and rolled the ankle, and you know he tried to get up, but they went right back down. Um, so they they've got I think like a week off before they play again, which, but certainly that's um, what the the his situation is is huge for them because that he was. Awesome um, as far as scoring the basketball goes last night. And he's he's been awesome all year and so, can play defense. You know, he matched Lionel Simmons for the most points ever by an opponent at the Dean Dome. Um, you know, the idea of yell train, the idea of them giving up sixty-one points in a half like that. That first half was a clinic by North Carolina. Like it was, it's um. I mean, Tennessee even after giving up a hundred last night is still number three in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency rating. That's how good they were. And, and they gave up 61 points. That North Carolina, like, it just felt like never missed a shot. They did whatever they wanted to do. It was just an absolute clinic of offensive basketball. Well, look, Tennessee prides itself on defense. Rick Barnes prides itself on defense, just like Penny Hardaway does with Memphis. But good offense beats good defense, in my opinion. If you got guys that are on fire, and I mean multiple guys out there that are shooting the rock that well, just like it was for Villanova in the first half against Memphis. It is tough to defend 
when players are on the floor knocking down shots like it's going out of style. So Tennessee takes one on the chin to North Carolina, 100-92. For Tennessee, I mean, I guess there's some solace. In fact, they put up 92 with uh, Santiago Vescovi getting zero, who he was in foul trouble and played 14 minutes. He was just never a part of that game. Uh, Ziegler did get going a little bit offensively last night. He still... He has struggled mightily to make any shots. He he was able to get a little bit going offensively last night, but certainly with Ziegler and Vescovy not doing much, and you're able to still put up 92 points. There, you got to take some satisfaction to that. But but defensively, yeah, that is going to. Um, Rick Barnes said that was the worst half of basketball. I think what was it? He said it was the worst half of basketball that they have played since he's been at Tennessee. That first half. Yeah, when you pride yourself on defense and you give up 61 and a half, I, I can understand why he said that. So the SEC-ACC challenge ends up 7-7. Very good. Yeah. Very competitive. And some some really good matchups, and uh, it was it was, it was was fun. You know, obviously the uh, replacement for the SEC for the Big Ten challenge, um, the ACC, the Big Ten challenge. Uh, and so they, they it's nice, and they, they created some good matchups, and it was uh, a lot of fun over the, the two nights to, to see that. They were doing it on the women's side as well. So um, it's, it's, we're, we're in a run right now, and I guess I don't know if they do it. I guess maybe it's somewhat on purpose because you get football kind of over with for the most part. But, like, we are getting some fantastic college basketball matchups. Mm-hmm. Like, North Carolina's got – Connecticut coming up. Um, they've got Kentucky coming up. Obviously, they just played Tennessee. You know, Tennessee, this run they've just gone on where they now part of it was the tournament where it worked out that way, but you play uh the number one, number two, and now well, North Carolina fell in the rankings. But I mean, they're we're getting some great matchups right now in college basketball. I still wish these were all earlier, like right when basketball starts to kind of burst onto the scene, but at least we are getting some really good non-conference matchups in college basketball right now. Some other games of note last night, number 18, Villanova loses to St. Joe's 78-65. to There's a lot of people on Twitter wondering, how can that happen? This is a Villanova team that beat Carolina, they beat Memphis, um, they are obviously a good team, but I don't know if people understand what the Big Five is. The Big Five in Philadelphia is just competitive as hell, and it doesn't matter who you are. Temple and LaSalle played a triple overtime game last night. But St. Joe's is a good team. They're a good team. Plus, it's the Big Five. So these are rivalry games. Villanova's only other previous loss was to Penn, another one of the Big Five teams in Philadelphia. So it's not a shocker that they lost to St. Joe's. Yeah, on the surface, their schedule just looks weird when you've got wins over North Carolina, Memphis, Maryland, Texas Tech, and losses to St. Joe's and Penn. But it's, uh, yeah, the Big Five is a big deal. And especially for the teams that aren't Villanova, when you get a chance to play Villanova mm-hmm. in that, yeah. like, that's the big deal. They are the, the clear big of the Big Five, so that's everything for those other schools to be able to knock off Villanova right now. Villanova's great outside of playing any team from Philadelphia. So look out if they got Drexel on the schedule coming up. They're not part of the Big Five, but they are a Philadelphia they are now. team. What? Big Five is now six. It's always going to be Big Five to me. I grew up with that. Really? Did they say that? That Drexel's part of the... Mm-hmm. Come on. 
Ah, that's stretching it. It was the big five for years and years and years and years. So they're going to let little Drexel in. Okay. Right, good for them. Uh, late last night, USC won, no surprise, over Eastern Washington. Bronny James still not on the court playing, but Boogie Ellis is. The former Memphis Tiger, 28 points last night, 8 of 10 from 3. He Good for put, Boogie. He has put together a nice, nice career. Does Boogie Ellis, does his game translate to the NBA? Uh, I don't. He's not a big guy. So. He's too small. Is it more like a Kendrick Davis thing with Boogie Ellis? Uh, Probably less of a defensive player than Davis. Davis is not great, but I mean Boogie's just. I mean that he's just kind of a shooting guard that scores and at his size of the NBA that's not going to be unless you're Dame Lillard unless you're special special unless you're Trey Young well yeah those are I mean I don't think Boogie's really a point guard Boogie's a, a two those guys are point guards like yeah I mean he is to me he is simply a scorer he's a tweener he's a tweener I mean obviously he has some handles but he has Elevated his game since going to Southern California, leaving Memphis. Then we had the weirdo story of the night. Uh, Louisville, who continues to struggle under Kenny Payne. Who was it, Bellarmine they played last night? Bellarmine. Bellarmine. Got by him. Beat him. Big battle against Bellarmine. Well, they lost to him last year. So. Yeah, I remember that. Bellarmine's good. Because I, I remember asking you about how to pronounce the name. Bellarmine's good. Bellarmine's good again this year? They're, they're pretty much good every year, like for their level. Like they're pretty much, you know, they were always a great Division II team. They're they usually just, they're usually pretty, just pretty darn good for whatever level they play at. But normal Louisville, normal Louisville should be beating them, never losing to them. They should be beating them. Could you imagine Memphis playing UT Martin all the time? You know, UT Martin's good or whatever they are. Whoever you could throw in there that's a smaller school and they're losing to them or the games are going down to the wire. People would go crazy. Well, yesterday, if you missed it, Kenny Payne, after the game, talking about Tyler Johnson, who had committed to Memphis. Do you remember? Zach, do you remember with Tyler Johnson? What, did he did he sign with him, commit to him? I forget what the situation was, but he was connected to Memphis. So this is Kenny Payne after the game talking about Tyler Johnson. Quote, I probably shouldn't tell you this, you're already in trouble when you say that. We didn't have the tights that he wanted, Payne said. So he didn't know if he wanted to play. Oh, yeah, you heard it. We didn't have the tights that he wanted, that we've never had for him. And he decided, I don't feel like I can go. That's what young people do, end quote. So he ended up playing. And I know young people today, just it's a whole whole different world. But are you kidding me? Really? Are you kidding me? How do you earn the respect of your coaches, the fan base, a lot of your teammates? I'm sure everybody's not crying over tights. What the hell's that? I have I don't I do not know. Anybody he also said like they don't they haven't ever had those yes, tights. So that's I don't, what he I, said. Don't know, I don't like I don't know. All of a sudden, he wants tights, okay, and they don't even carry those tights. They don't even have them. Yeah, that's a, that's a first. That's a, that's a new one on me. 
Larry Bird and Michael Jordan are rolling over in their graves. Oh, no, that's right. They're not dead. But they're rolling over somewhere. And then and the, reading something like this. And again, obviously Louisville should be, but the Bellarmine Louisville would be the same thing as the St. Joe's and those playing Villanova in Philadelphia. Like you've got Big Brother in your city. Like it's everything for Bellarmine to beat Louisville. Now, okay, I'll give it to you now because Villanova has become this quasi blue blood. Okay, but for years and years and years and years, Villanova wasn't way well above the other four. In fact, there were many years where they were behind. When I grew up, it was more like Penn. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking about when you grew up. I'm talking about now. Like well, those I'm, teams for yeah, Villanova. Right, Villanova right now, to them is what Louisville would be to Bellarmine. Yes, but there's there's no history of Bellarmine years ago dominating Louisville. And what I'm saying is, in the Big Five, all bets are off. There have been times that other teams have absolutely dominated. There was times when LaSalle dominated. Temple has obviously dominated for years and years and years. Penn was really, really special for a long time. St. Joe's with Phil Martelli had those great years. And now it is Villanova. You're right. The four of them, five of them if you include Drexel, look up to Villanova and go, that's the king. We got to knock them off. But it's only been maybe the last decade. Big Five basketball has been going on for decades and decades and decades and decades. I don't know the history of Bellarmine. I'm not going to pretend to. But I would imagine that Louisville, if they, I don't know how many times they've played them. Louisville is always been. Well, Bellarmine just became Division One. I'm not saying like this game is going to mean a ton to Bellarmine. They've just become Division One. Their last, I mean, they literally they couldn't go to the NCAA tournament just a few years ago because of the transition when yes. they won the conference. Like, but this is like now they're Division One. They're on theoretically even playing field with Louisville. Like. That's a big deal for them to play Louisville. Oh, no. like, it's going to mean everything for them to beat Louisville. No question, but it's not comparable. The Bellarmine comparison, the uh, Bellarmine Louisville comparison to Villanova and the other Big Five teams is not. It's not. It's not a comparable thing. This is a whole different ballgame. Those teams, big are all- school playing little school, same city. Team with tradition of success versus teams with very little tradition of success playing that school. It's going they're to mean little, more to them. They're not little schools. Villanova's little. Pe- I'm talking Temple. about in the world of college basketball. I'm Villanova t- is a much bigger deal than all of the others. It's 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 not comparable. The They've two, won multiple national championships in the last decade. I understand. Like they're the big boy. I yes, they are. But there's a history where they weren't always the big boy. I don't. These kids playing there today don't care about what happened 40 years uh, ago. I'm they tell- look at what they are today. I'm telling you. I know, I, I know the Big Five history as well as anybody. I'm not talking and about the history of it. The kids playing at St. Joe today know Villanova yes, today. Yes. It's going to mean a lot more to them to beat Villanova than it is for the kids at Villanova to beat the kids at St. Joe's. Yes, but it's not... Okay. I, I, we'll agree to disagree on this one. I, I, I know what you're saying. Yes, and I agree with you as far as right now is concerned. Absolutely. But there's no history... With Bellarmine, like you said, they just moved into Division One, so it's a it's not a good comparison to what we're talking about with Big Five because history does matter. History matters in comparing that to something where there's the to only the history has been the last at couple those of years. Schools right now, the history right. doesn't matter to the players, and now. that's who's winning the game today I, I, and I, playing the game today. I understand, I understand, but we're 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 on two different paths here of trying to compare the the these two things. There is a there is a Big Five that yes has existed for. Decades and decades and decades and decades. And Villanova was just one of those five teams. Now Villanova, yes, is the dominant team of those five. But my point is that on any given night, and that has been proven, 
that these teams can beat Villanova and do beat Villanova because in the Big Five, all bets are off. It's just something special. It's like the Iron Bowl. Auburn almost beat Alabama. It's an Auburn team that just lost by three touchdowns to New Mexico State because it's the damn Iron Bowl. There's something about those games and that Big Five that's special, that's different. The start of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware, located at the corner of Quince and White Station in East Memphis. Uh, you can go by and see them for whatever it is you need to get done, whatever supplies you might need for some DIY project. Well, they can take care of you, and they got a great staff to help you along the way in finding exactly what it is you might need and probably can help you with that project as well. Of course, the Big Green Egg, the Big Green Egg and all the accessories, they've got that for you. They're a platinum dealer of the Big Green Egg. they got everything you need when it comes to that, including all the different sizes of the egg and those accessories, plus other grills. They've got all the stuff you need for your leaf pickup this time of year. Get that stuff done around the yard, whatever it is. The folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware have what you need and a great staff to help you find it. Corner of White Station and Quince, East Memphis Ace Hardware. We got a lot of college football to talk about. News from on the field, off the field. It's all coming up as we continue on Sports 56 Mornings right here on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I had no idea that the Villanova Arena changed its name. It's called the Finneran. Did you know that? The Finneran Pavilion. It used to be the DuPont Pavilion. I guess when that guy went absolutely nuts and killed the dude, the Olympic uh, wrestler. Remember the DuPont? You ever watch the uh, the movie with um, Steve Carell? No. He played that DuPont guy who was weird, and he shot the, the uh, former great wrestler. I can't remember his name. Uh, I guess they got rid of that name pretty quickly. So it's the Finneran Pavilion. And good on you with Drexel. This is the first year, 23-24, they added that team for whatever reason uh, to the Big Five. I was just... I just did a game of one of the Big Five members. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, then your notes? Okay, okay. I, I had to be reason. I'm like, how does Savoy know and, that and I, about Drexel? And Villanova's lost a total of two... Before this year, they lost two games in nine years. No, I, I, what I say, the last decade, they absolutely, I agree with you 100%. I'm just saying the Big Five is a history, and that's why you have Penn beating Villanova, St. Joe's beating Villanova, because they get amped for those games. All right, uh, Ole Miss-Memphis game Saturday at the Pavilion, officially sold out. So, I don't know how you want to get tickets if you're still wondering if uh, you can. I guess there's a way on the open market, but as far as going up to the box office or through any of the uh, the ticket master type places, you're out of luck. Sports Illustrated has named its Sportsman of the Year, Sports Person of the Year, I guess officially. It's Deion Sanders. Prime time. Prime was the story of the first month of the college football season, obviously the offseason as well, but there was no bigger story in college football, and that thing kind of just dissipated as time went on. But sportsman of the year, we're not talking about like the college football story of the year, sports person of the year in college football. We're talking about the sports person of the year in 2023. Interesting. 
Yeah. I'm again. He, I, it's. He had a lot of. You know, he caused a lot of conversation, a lot of everything with the way he came in, changed the roster. Um, you know, early on they were, you know, on national. They were the national game of the week, one way or another, on one of the two channels, basically, for the first like five weeks of the season. I think. Um, it's going to be. You know, there's a lot of talk now about because he's losing some commitments from some big time recruits. Um, their recruiting class continues to slide down. Um, obviously, he'll be in the transfer portal. There's some talk that his son Shadur is going to come back for another year. I don't believe that will happen, but um, I guess there is a possibility with nil money and the fact that you're playing for your dad. Maybe he decides to do it. Uh, for one more year, but um, you know, what what is he able to do going into next year? Because um, now that you know, it was a great story to just get when you take a one win team and win any games. It's great now, a full year having got all the attention, everything else. What does that turn itself into going forward? Will be the big question. For whatever reason, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I like him. I like what he did. I like the brashness of him. He's always been that way. Saw a clip the other night. I forget what I was watching. It was draft night. And he talked about, I mean, he's just with his gold chains and everything about how much it's going to cost for him to do. He's 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 a different guy. And I, I like it. I, I like the guy. Seems like he's a, he's a good family man. He's a terrific father. I, I don't care. Like you said, they were terrible. Yes, it was a... Start that was shot out of a cannon, and it was a fizzle finish to the season. Now you have guys like Adam Zagoria, friend of the show, who said the coach of a four and eight football team, one and eight in the Pac-12, is the SI Sports Person of the Year. Tough week for a once proud journalistic institution. Now I'm not saying he would be my pick, but I'd have to think about who it would be. But I, I don't have a problem with it because it's beyond just the wins and losses. I mean, he turned a institution on its head a college football world that has been around forever he made it is for good for bad whatever the reason is like him don't like him he's polarizing i understand that but i give him a lot of credit because we talked about him every single day for a long time for a long time it's just like we talk all the time about travis kelsey now a lot of it because of who he is on the field, but a lot of it because of his relationship with Taylor Swift. More movement in college football, the transfers, even though not official until Monday. That starts the window, December 4th. But the word is that K.J. Jefferson, although I think he went to social media and said he's not 100% or hasn't been confirmed yet, but most people believe he's moving on from Arkansas. Grayson McCall is leaving Coastal Carolina and all the things he said about Coastal Carolina staying there. What do he say? I bleed. What's their color? Coastal? Teal, I guess. Yeah, I bleed teal or something. He's on the move. Riley Leonard from Duke. Really good, if he could stay healthy. On the move. Max Johnson, reportedly, is going to head to the University of North Carolina. Again, nothing official yet until Monday the 4th. Matt Rule, head coach in Nebraska, said... That a quarterback in the portal, a good quarterback in the portal, doesn't say great, a good quarterback in the portal will cost the team a million to two million dollars. Yeah, that's why you're going to see 
pretty much all of these guys at least go into the portal. Just because you go into the portal doesn't mean you're absolutely have to leave. Like you could come back, but it's it's testing the free agency market. <laughs> you you get into the portal and see what's out there. And quarterback position obviously is a very valuable one. So if you're one of these quarterbacks, why not get yourself in the portal? See what offers you could come up with, what money might be out there for you. And if you don't like it, then you can go back to where you were. But um, you know, Riley Leonard, the talk is he's going to go to Notre Dame. Um, you know, I don't know what Notre Dame got Sam Hartman last year, but um, you know, Riley Leonard seems to be. It looks like he's going to follow those footsteps. But yeah, these these quarterbacks, you, you got to find out what's out there. Which makes you think about the situation at the University of Memphis, and I know what Seth Hennigan said, but I also know that. Um, he's going to at least look at things. I, I know that he said, yeah, quickly, kind of a leading question after the game uh, against, uh, I don't know if it was the final game. I think it was the final game, maybe the second last game, but whatever it was. Um, kind of a leading question about whether he's coming back. And he said he's coming back. We had the interview with him after the game on the field at Temple, and Wolo's talking to him, and the way he answered the question to me was, yeah, I think, again, I'm trying to get into his head. Yeah, I'm pretty much coming back, but you would be foolish not to at least look at things. And that's why it's pivotal, as Ryan Silverfield says, to get this NIL increased at the University of Memphis. Because if Matt Rule is saying good quarterbacks go for a million to two million, Seth Hennigan is going to own all the records of the University of Memphis, assuming he stays here. He's a good quarterback. Memphis don't got that kind of money. But again, he's a coach's son, a little bit different kind of philosophy to everything. You know, you want to finish what you start, that type of stuff. But it's also 2023 going into 2024 and probably not going to be an NFL quarterback. He wants to monetize, you would think, just like most players want to do. So he's going to, I'm sure, look at the situation. And I guarantee you that their school's going to be coming at him. So this is pivotal for all you Tiger fans out there that have deep pockets and are part of giving to the university, you know, think about what you're doing as far as the NIL is concerned because you're going to need some money to retain some of these players. I'm not saying that Seth is leaving or, you know, he's leaning toward that. I'm just saying that in this day and age, I think all players are looking at all their options. All right, when we come back, Hour 2, we're going to continue talking college football. Got some college coaching news to get into as well. We'll go over the... All AAC teams that were announced after we wrapped up the show yesterday. We'll take your calls and texts, and then we'll talk some Ole Miss Memphis with Brad Logan at 825. Coming up at 9, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour, including a visit with Justin Fuente, former Tigers and Virginia Tech head coach. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 